Are you an overwhelmed entrepreneur with endless tasks, emails, and messages? Do you feel your systems are ineffective or you don't have any at all? I get it. You wish you could come up for air and take that well-deserved vacation you've been dreaming of, all without sacrificing the growth or health of your business. I'm hosting a webinar to introduce concepts that you can use to learn more about how to clockwork your business for operational efficiency. The best part? The webinar is at no cost to you. It will be held May 14th at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern, and a recording will be available for those who can't attend live. If you are ready to make a change in your business so you can take a real vacation, go to bit.ly forward slash May 2024 CFF to enroll. That's bit.ly forward slash May 2024CFF. I can't wait to see you there. Welcome to Biz Help for You with host Candy Messer. Entrepreneurs like to focus on the big picture, like profitability, success, and a smooth running organization. Always seems to be those little things like taxes, employee compensation, laws, regulations, and more. Now you can get the answers you need in one place. Join us today as we break it all down for you. Now, here's your host, Candy Messer. Hello, and welcome to Biz Help for You with Candy Messer. Thank you for joining us today. I hope you found the information on last week's show using Google Ads Effectively informative. If you are unable to join us and would like to listen to the show, links can be found on my Facebook and YouTube pages, as well as multiple favorite podcast platforms. If there are questions you have or topics you'd find beneficial, please reach out to me at media at abandp.com. Now let's learn a little bit about our guest today. Peter H. Christian was a founding partner and president of ESPE, a business consulting firm in northeastern Pennsylvania. Previously, he was an executive at Crayola Corporation. He has worked with 300-plus clients in business development, profit improvement, operations, IS selection and implementation, and project management. He has 40-plus years of experience in strategic and facility planning, CI, lean, and supply chain. He has helped companies to realize millions of dollars in cost reductions and profit improvements, adding and retaining thousands of jobs. He has authored the Amazon best-selling business books, What About the Vermin Problem, and Influences and Influencers, and is published in a variety of professional magazines. So welcome to the show. Great. Thank you for having me. I'm so glad to have you too. This is going to be an interesting topic, one I don't know as much about, but I thought it would be great for our listeners to actually hear and understand as well. Uh, but before I get into questions that I have for you, I would love for you to tell us just a little bit more about yourself and how you got into doing what you're doing. Okay. I think it started uh, when I was going to college and was looking for what I want to major in. Originally, I thought I was going to be an electrical engineer or mechanical mm. engineer, but uh, the school that I went to, Rutgers University, had a, an engineering orientation program where you got to hear all the different disciplines, and I believe mm -hmm. there were 12 or 14 different uh, disciplines, and during one of the orientations, and I actually paid attention to them because a lot of 
people slept. Uh, I heard this thing called industrial engineering, which I knew mm. nothing about. And it was really interesting to me because <clears throat> what the person who was talking about it said was it wasn't just technical. It dealt with people and mm. processes. And that was really of interest to me because I didn't want to be one of those engineers who did all the technical stuff, sat behind a board or desk or whatever, and, and didn't really interact with people. So uh, I learned more about it. I went home, said to my folks, guess what? I'm going to I hadn't really declared my major yet, but I said, this is where I'd like to go. They didn't know much about it, and they thought it was interesting, too. So that was kind of the genesis for, for doing it. I studied there, and then I studied uh, a bit more at Lehigh University, did my graduate work, and then got into the working world. And what I found out was industrial engineering touches a lot of different aspects of companies. Mm. Uh, particularly in, in the business realm. And that was really of interest to me. So I not only was dealing on the technical side, but I was dealing on the practical side with day-to-day -day operations, production of goods, uh, a variety of, of other functions uh, throughout the company. So it, it really gave me a broad-based experience. And I think that happens with a lot of people who go into that discipline in school is they don't wind up being engineers per se. Mm. Uh, they go into a variety of different aspects of business. So that was kind of the start for me. And uh, my career just kind of evolved as I, uh, I went uh, through it. Uh, I started as an industrial engineer, uh, but certainly got involved in other things because of my interest and the fact that the companies, particularly Crayola, encourage people to work outside of their job descriptions and outside of their functional areas, which was great. We weren't mm -hmm. just siloed into whatever it is we were doing. And a lot of companies do that. In fact, we were bought by Hallmark and they specifically did that. Their people were very mm -hmm. narrow and we went, wow, this is, you know, thank goodness we don't have to do that where we come from. And they were kind of amazed at all the different pieces of the business we got into because they were very limited in, in what they were allowed mm -hmm. to work on and, and do. So I'd mm -hmm. say that was the start and, and uh, how I, I kind of wound up where uh, I wound up career-wise. Perfect. Well, before we get into, you know, the actual discussion on how to have continuous improvement, which I know you've also abbreviated CI. So if we use that abbreviation, CI it will be for continuous improvement. Can you actually give us a definition of what that means? Continuous improvement is <clears throat> nothing stays the same. Uh, we deal with changes in business, we deal with changes in life, and we need to adapt to those things. And also, no matter how good things are, they could always be a little bit better tomorrow mm -hmm. than they are today. Mm -hmm. the, so continuous improvement is really about looking for ways to make things better a little bit easier. And they, they're, they're typically not big things. Too many mm -hmm. people think that improvements have to be these humongous breakthroughs in that. They're little things uh, because most of the problems that we run into are little problems on a day-to-day -day basis. And they're annoying. And we said if we could only <laughs> do it a little bit differently or get rid of it. Yeah, you're laughing. So you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> right. So it becomes yeah. a culture for the company to have people doing that. It's expected mm -hmm. that as they're doing their day-to-day -day functions, they're also looking at those little things that annoy them or annoy other people 
that if were removed, they wouldn't have to deal with them. It's not just mm -hmm. dealing with it for today and then it crops up again tomorrow and the next day and so forth, but really getting rid of it. So it truly is continuous. Mm -hmm. It means that each day you're expected to look at that. And in, in some places it's very formal. At the end of the week, people have to report out on what it is that they actually did. They're also mm -hmm. controllable. Uh, they allow people to make the changes uh, that would circumvent those issues or problems. So it gives them control over that. If it gets a little mm -hmm. bit bigger where dollars are involved to be spent and, and there may be some major change that's necessary, then it's got to get kicked up a, a bit. But by and large, people have control over making the changes to the things that annoy them and, and that uh, they could uh, make improvements on. Right. And this all sounds like a great idea, right? There's a problem that you could easily, you know, do something to make it a little bit better and fix it. So if it's such a great idea, then what are the main reasons that companies are not successful with having these continuous improvement programs? Mystery to me, but from what I've observed, <laughs> uh, in some cases, uh, companies with the best of intentions want to get started and then say, well, we don't have the time to do that. Mm. Um, when they're particularly busy with things. And then similarly, when things slow down, they say, well, we don't have the money to do, to do that. Mm -hmm. So there's always an excuse for not doing it. If you make it, as I mentioned before, part of the ongoing daily process, so it's part of what you're doing normally, as you're doing it, you're looking at how you can improve it. It doesn't take any extra time. So that's really just mm -hmm. an excuse, the, the time. That brings you back to commitment then. Are they really committed to doing it? Uh, mm -hmm. Are they afraid to make the changes that are necessary in order to, uh, to, to make the, the improvement or, or the change or whatever you want to call it? Uh, in some cases, they are. But in a lot of cases, in the ones where it doesn't work, they aren't. Mm -hmm. uh, they're just, they, they just kind of throw it out there, but there's no follow-up. Uh, they really don't support it. So people hear, yeah, I'm supposed to make improvements, but what does that mean? Nobody tells them, nobody checks on them. Like I said, some companies actually ask for a report out from their people and they expect them to make changes on a regular basis and throughout the week. When not, mm -hmm. there's no follow-up like that, you, you lose it right away. If, if there's right. not attention to it, if it's not a priority, if it doesn't become what we affectionately call part of the company culture, you lose mm -hmm. it over time. And right. I'm sure we'll talk about what my role is in, in that or, or people like myself. We're, when we're there, we help to provide that impetus for them to do it. But when we mm -hmm. leave, nobody picks up the mantle and runs with it. And that's when it starts to fall apart on a long-term long basis. So, right. Uh, well, as you were talking, I was even thinking, you know, especially depending on if it's a bigger company though too, why not empower employees to be able to say there's a problem here and I think this is what could help make it better and let them try it and see what happens instead of having to kind of go up the chain of command and get permission or something like that. So wouldn't that make sense you know, to do it that way? It would, but unfortunately companies that tend to get bigger also tend to get more, more bureaucratic. They start to put rules and regulations and policies and procedures in place, and they start to limit their people. 
Mm-hmm. I can't tell you how many people when I would work with them would say, well, we wanted to do this, but we were told that's not your job. Just pay attention to mm-hmm. your job. Uh, do what you're supposed to do on a normal basis. That's not your, your role or your responsibility. And, and those were typically in large organizations. They set guidelines. They said, this is what you do. Do it on a daily basis and don't work, work outside of the, the lines, color mm-hmm. within the line, so to speak. Uh, and, right. and that's unfortunate because there are these are the people that are the experts. They deal with the stuff on a daily basis. They deal with the problems and the issues and they want to contribute and they have good ideas because they are thinking about it. nobody goes to work. Nobody wakes up in the morning, goes to work and says, <laughs> I can't wait to see what problems I'm going to run into okay. today. Right. But they're probably saying, gee, I hope I don't run into any problems today. And I really get done what I wanted to get done because I didn't get to do that yesterday. Mm-hmm. Uh, but unfortunately, they're not encouraged. Uh, they're not supported to do it in, in a lot of cases. Uh, so they, they give up doing it. They, they think about it. And they, so when somebody like myself talks to them and they go, yeah, they told us that, but they really don't mean it. That's a, a tough obstacle to overcome because you've mm-hmm. got to convince them that maybe this time is a little bit different than the other times and, and that they will be listened to. But it makes sense. You've got mm-hmm. all these people there. You've got these experts. Why don't you use them? Right. I, it's a mystery to me. <laughs> well, so if someone's listening and they're a business owner you know, of a smaller company, or maybe they're a manager of a larger company, and they're like, yes, this sounds like a great idea and I want to implement it. What can they do to be successful in actually bringing that about? They should bring somebody in who's done it before. You know, with anything that's new, if you try it on yourself, I, I watch all these programs with the DUI. I was just watching one the other day. It's called Help I Ruin My House or something with all these <laughs> DIY projects where mm. they go online and they go, oh, I can do that. And then they find out they can't do it mm-hmm. uh, or they cause a problem or that. So it's not so bad to bring somebody in who's done it before, who has a track record, uh, who can work with you and help to get the program started on the right foot. That mm-hmm. doesn't say that you can't do it on your own if you're really committed and, and you spend the time and so forth. But again, it gets back to that time issue. People start it and then they get distracted. They, they get another priority. They don't do it on a continuous basis and it starts to fall apart. But if you bring somebody in, and you really listen to that person and do what they tell you to do and, and work with them, you have a lot better chance for success. And there are plenty of people out there. I mean, there's tons of consultants. Hard part is to find the good one. So again, mm-hmm. you've got to vet properly and, and make sure you get somebody who really has done that uh, and, and has a proven track record because you, you can get people who just want to take your money and, and leave. And unfortunately, there's too many people like that. Uh, Mm -hmm. So getting started on the right foot, don't don't just read about it and go, oh, I can do that. That sounds easy, too. It's easy, but sometimes it's harder than you think it is. Right. So are there other resources, too, besides having a consultant that can help, you know, obviously track and make sure and implement everything that's happening? Are there other resources, too, that can help companies be successful in this area? Or is it mainly bringing in a consultant who can help implement? Well, again, there's tons of literature. There's tons of seminars you can go Mm -hmm. to or uh, classes. Um, 
a variety of things. I mean, we're in the information age. My goodness. Uh, I remember growing up when you used to have to go to the library and search for that right. one reference book that everybody else <laughs> had to, and you couldn't find mm -hmm. it. Now you go on your laptop and you Google it uh, or whatever search engine you want to use, but primarily Google. And, and the world is at your fingertips. There's so mm -hmm. much information and so many people talking about, it. in fact, at, at some point it may even be overload. Uh, but there, there's plenty of information out there. There's plenty of organizations that you deal with professional where you can talk to other people and you find somebody who is is working the program and doing it successfully and you talk to the, that person so you network and and you, you you find out from people it's just such a variety of information so it's surprising to me that more companies aren't doing it and doing it well Mm -hmm. um, just again, it's a mystery. I, I, I can't totally explain it. I wish I could, uh, because there's certainly no excuse other than getting back to that commitment thing that people aren't committed to really doing it uh, or do it for a short time and then think, well, that's it. It's continuous improvement. It's never ending. Mm -hmm. It's going to go forever and ever and ever. And I had that when I worked at Crayola before it was fashionable. We didn't know what we called it. We just knew that we wanted to make improvements on an ongoing basis. And, and we stuck at it. The president of the company would point at companies around us that were failing, like Bethlehem Steel, because I, I worked in the Lehigh Valley. Bethlehem Steel failed. And he said, we are never going to be like that. Mm. So, and, and we found that in order to not be like that, you needed to keep up with the times, you needed to make changes, you needed to make improvements. And, and we did that. And then when it became fashionable, we went, oh, so that's what we were doing all that time. Okay. Well, it was a good <laughs> thing, I guess, then. Maybe we should have patented it and sold it ourselves and, and made a lot of money on it. So if someone realizes now, yes, I need to bring in a consultant to help because I just don't have time or I don't know how to implement this. Like, how would they know that somebody has a good track record and they're the right fit for their company? Again, if you're involved with professional organizations and, and with other companies where you have people who you know and trust uh, their advice, you can ask them, who do you know? Who have you used? Who do you know who knows somebody who's used it? Uh, and then when you don't just rely on that, when you get the person or persons in, because you may be making a decision on uh, two or three or four different individuals, ask for references, mm -hmm. and then talk to those companies, maybe even get to visit them. What was great about me with working with companies was I established such a good relationship with some that if I had another company who was not a competitor of theirs or wasn't in the same industry, and I asked if they could come and visit to talk about a particular program or a project or whatever, my clients would let them in and, and they would do it with welcome arms because they were proud to, to talk about the improvements they had made and the programs they had and so forth. So there's a lot of good sharing out there in industry. You just have to mm -hmm. ask, mm -hmm. right? If you don't ask, then chances are good you won't find out or you won't know or you won't get what you need. But you do your homework, you do your research, uh, no guarantees, okay? Of course. It, it, it's a help. <laughs> But uh, right. just because one person had a good experience doesn't mean you're necessarily going to have one, but your odds are a lot better in doing that. 
Again, mm-hmm. I worked with 300 companies. I probably at least half of them, if not more, if I went back and, and I have on, on occasion asked them to be references, they will willingly do it because they had a good experience uh, and, and they're happy to share and, and, and help with other companies. So, uh, so, so do your homework mm-hmm. and find out as much as you can about the person before you hire them to, uh, to do an important project like that. Right. So are there consultants that specialize in like certain areas? So where, you know, you might have multiple areas in your own business that need improvement and you might need more than one consultant or would one person really be able to come in and identify a lot of the different areas that need some help and can make those changes? Uh, There are people who say they can do everything. I would be careful of those because Mm -hmm. no one individual or organization can do everything. Even the consulting practice that I had, uh, we would be asked uh, about certain specialties and we would have people who were alliances with us who could provide that expertise. For instance, if it got into sales or marketing, we were not sales and marketing people. So mm-hmm. we would have people who could help them with that. And again, if you've established a good rapport relationship with your client and they trust you, then they will take your recommendation and they will engage that person or organization or whatever the case may be. You can have a fairly broad breadth of, of <laughs> things that you do, uh, but nobody and no one organization can do everything. If they do, right. I'm very, very careful about that because um, uh, they may, but they may not mm-hmm. do it well. All right? right. Or they may not. And you find out. Uh, I, I still remember uh, a commercial where a guy brings a car in and it's a, a foreign car and he brings it to the mechanic. He goes, I always wanted to work on one of those. You don't want that for your consultant. I always wanted to work on that kind of thing. Yeah, this will be a good. No, you don't want that. You want a track record. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So, I mean, are there ways that you can get specific numbers that can be shared again to like identify what that track record is? Like, does someone come in and say, I improved efficiency by 10%? Again, like, I don't know what type of information I would even ask for as support to say, you know, is this something that you're really good at? So what's like typical information that we would be asking for as someone searching for that consultant or what would you normally offer as support for the fact that you've helped so many people be successful? If you're going to hand out references as a consultant, you should be talking to those references first. Mm -hmm. One, so that you know what you are allowed to say and what you aren't allowed to say. Because a lot of them are private organizations. They don't publicly uh, promote their information. They're, mm-hmm. they're privately held. So they're very careful about the information that they want to share and certainly that they want you to share. So you find out what you're allowed to say and what you're not allowed to say. Then providing them as a reference, the prospective client can talk to them and they can check out. So when you make claims, I help the companies to improve their productivity by 50%. Uh, they should be able to talk to that, the the individual or individuals in that company, and they should be saying, oh, yes, 
Peter helped us to improve by 50%. Ideally, they would say, oh, he's, he, he's being humble here. We really improved by 75%. You know, mm-hmm. he, he did better than what we, uh, uh, than what he's telling you. That would be wonderful. There's nothing like somebody who has made the improvement to, uh, to, to be your advocate. It's mm-hmm. one thing for you to say something. It's 10 times more powerful when somebody else who you've worked with speaks on your behalf. Mm-hmm. I had one client in the food industry and they knew about one company I worked with. It was a large pork producer. And they said, we would really like to talk to them. Well, the people I had dealt with had kind of scattered, but mm-hmm. I was able to locate the one fellow who I, I worked with and I got in touch with them. And I said, they really would like to talk to you. Would you be willing to do it? And here's what they have on their mind. He said, absolutely. Again, great relationship. So he did. And then they called me up and said, we had a nice conversation with Tom. And he told us everything about you and how great the re- experience was. We're ready to sign and, and to get mm-hmm. going with you. So again, when you have somebody who's talking on your behalf, it's so much more powerful. You can say anything you want about yourself, right, right. you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, and unfortunately, uh, if you're not truthful, they will find out in the worst possible way that you weren't truthful. But somebody else isn't going to lie for you, uh, especially mm-hmm. uh, in a large and suc- or even a small and successful company. They're not going to lie on your behalf. Right, right. There, there's yeah, no I guess reason I was for just... them to do that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I was just wondering as, you know, from someone from my side of the coin, like if I'm going to be looking for someone, if you can't get those, which ideally testimonials are what you can get, you know, what other type of information might, you know, we ask for as proof, if there's anything really other than testimonials that could be used to prove the success of that consultant. The information is out there. You got to pick and you choose what you want to believe. Mm-hmm. Best to me is to talk to people who have been through the experience right? and they can, they can tell you. And believe me, I dealt with some people who are very honest. All right. Mm-hmm. Uh, if they didn't think that they had a good experience, they will tell you they didn't have a good experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, and of course you have to decide what you want uh, your prospective client to hear or not to hear. You would hope that they would say all good things, but they may say, but there's some cautions in here. You know, Pete might've been a little bit, a little difficult in this area. So <laughs> you might have to watch him or manage him a little bit, but that's okay. At least you right. go in knowing what to expect. Cause again, we're not all perfect creatures <clears throat> and even the best of projects had some issues to them. So right. if they can tell you it ain't all hunky dory, there's going to be some bumps in the road and just be ready for them. But guess what? He'll stick with you or his company will stick with you and, and they'll work it out if it happens. That's all you can expect from that. Uh, right. And just because one company had uh, tremendous success doesn't mean you're going to have necessarily the same success. Hopefully right. it'll be better or the same, but you might be a little bit less than them. That doesn't mean mm-hmm. it was terrible. It just means right. uh, each uh, situation is a little bit different and uh, and, and mm-hmm. you get what you get out of it. 
So, well, I can imagine that obviously a lot of it is up to the company and the employees and those who are supposed to be implementing those changes too, because you can come in with a great idea of how to make that change. But if people are hesitant or they don't implement it, obviously it's not going to show a success, but it's not that that wouldn't have worked. It's just, it wasn't implemented. Right. I've had a couple of experiences where people wanted guarantees. Mm. And my comeback to them was, are you going to guarantee me that you're going to do exactly what I told you to do? And are you going Mm -hmm. to do it the way I instructed you to do it? Because I have no control over that. If you go off on a tangent and do something different and it doesn't function properly, that's not my responsibility and my fault. Mm -hmm. And also, at the end of the day, you own whatever it is we come up with. If Mm -hmm. you don't. If you're relying totally on me, we we might as well not even have this engagement because that's wrong. Nobody can make you successful. You can Mm -hmm. make you successful. Mm -hmm. The consultant's not there because, like I tell them, I'm going to walk out the door someday. When I walk Mm -hmm. out the door, are you going to continue to do what you should do? If you do, you'll be successful. If you don't and you have problems, don't look at me. I remember I dealt with one company. And we came up with all sorts of recommendations for them. And <clears throat> they they bought off on all of them. They said, yep, 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 yep. And we had them monetize what those uh, recommendations would be worth to the company. And it was about a half a million dollars in savings on an wow. annual basis. So a year goes by, <clears throat> a friend of mine, because uh, we went through an agency in, in Pennsylvania known as the Ben Franklin Technical Partnership, uh, the agent there calls me up and he says, I just got a call from this company and from the person who's leading their improvement. And they've gotten absolutely no benefit from any of the recommendations that you guys made. And I went, wow, Hmm. considering they were the ones who monetized it, they put the numbers down. So what problems did they have with implementation? And he said to me, oh, they didn't implement anything. Mm. (laughs) And I just sat there and went, why are we having this conversation? If you don't implement anything, why do you expect you're going to get improvements? You've got to implement. And we asked them if they wanted us to stick around and to work with them on implementation. They said, no, we got it. We've done this a million times. Well, they didn't do it. Mm-hmm. So I said, really, Jerry, why are we having this conversation? You were to go back and say, you people are ridiculous. Of course, you're not getting any benefit. You got to implement. And if you can't right. do it, bring them back in and, and let them help. Well, they didn't. And they went away. And I just sat there shaking my head going, that was like surreal. I, I just mm-hmm. couldn't believe that. You know, uh, there's that old saying about insanity is doing the same thing over again, expecting <laughs> different results. Well, if you don't yes. do anything, that's insanity too, and expecting to get different results. Exactly. So you just you never know. Again, it's a mystery to me. I keep saying that there are a lot of mysteries in life. Someday I may discover what they all are, <laughs> but for now they're still mysteries. So, right. So companies obviously might have the best intentions and then don't implement as we just heard, but can they survive without having continuous, you know, improvements or how long can they go without having some impact that's going to negatively affect them that may potentially, you know, result in them shutting down? Sure. Uh, yeah. Companies can survive. 
they're not going to do as well as they could be doing because mm-hmm. again they're running into those daily problems and when you're you're firefighting when you're solving problems on a regular basis that's taking away from your growth from uh, doing the things that you want to be doing that would promote growth uh, and in some cases, it may be taking away from your growth because every mm-hmm. problem you have to solve takes time and money and effort, which could be spent elsewhere on on more productive things. And, and companies can uh, fumble and stumble along for quite a period of time uh, without making the changes. Uh, most of the companies in the U.S. probably do do that. Mm. Uh, but it could be better. Mm-hmm. And that's what that's the kind of companies I want to work with who want it to be better. And <laughs> when they do, they grow by leaps and bounds. I had one client in 2008, <clears throat> he had, he was renting a facility. He had outgrown the facility. He didn't want to re-rent it. The space was the same size and so forth. So we helped him to, I personally helped him to find a new facility that he actually bought renovated and and was working his business now 2008 if you remember was not a great year right. for business we had mm-hmm. the mortgage crisis uh lending institutions stopped lending to almost everybody uh he was told by a number of people you really don't want to do this but he had made his mind up that he he was going to he followed through with it and within two years his business was 10 times 10 mm-hmm. times bigger than it was when I started with him because he took that leap of faith and he he wanted to do it uh, and he was committed to it and he did the things that he was supposed to do and he prospered because of it. Now, not everybody is going to to have that kind of success, but he did because of commitment Mm -hmm. when he was committed to it. And he was a tough guy. Uh, if he wasn't committed, he would take forever. Sometimes it was maddening, maddeningly slow Mm -hmm. in his decision process. But once he was sold and committed to it, nobody moved faster than he did. So Mm -hmm. it it was both ways. Great guy. One of the Mm -hmm. nicest people I ever met. One of the people you would want to see succeed. Uh, and he was committed to doing it once he was sold on it, once he understood all of the aspects of it and, and what was necessary. And he was ready to take that leap of faith. Now, he could have failed. Mm-hmm. He could have very easily failed. It was not a good time for business. Uh, right. We were struggling a bit as a business at that point. We had lost uh, business to people who had pulled back on their consulting efforts because of, of lack of money and, and, and so forth. Uh, but we followed through with him and, and he did a great job and, and was extremely successful. One of the, the great success stories I think uh, I, I've had uh, in, in my consulting career. So. Mm-hmm. so, and I know we might've touched on this a little bit because it takes time or effort or things like that too, to implement changes. But other than that, do you think there are other reasons why a company wouldn't want to do the continuous improvement? And why do you think that would be? Uh, as I mentioned, uh, there's the excuses. We don't have the time, so they're not making a priority. We mm-hmm. all have the same amount of time. I do that to people. Mm-hmm. I'll say, what does the number 168 mean to you? And mm-hmm. Usually you kind of get that. We all have 168 hours in a week. 
Mm-hmm. We all have, it's, a, it's a fact, okay? There's, there's no debating it. Uh, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 168 hours. What you do with those 168 hours is up to you. What mm-hmm. you put priorities on, what you decide to spend your time on or not is up to you. Continuous improvement isn't a full-time job. It's an ongoing job. And again, it's part of your regular work effort should be. Mm-hmm. So it shouldn't take extra time. But even if it took 15 minutes a day, mm-hmm. you can out of 24 hours, and I forget how many minutes that is, I have to multiply. But anyway, uh, what's that about uh, 16,000 I forget the day. number too, but yeah, yeah it's a pretty it's big a number. All right. 15 minutes. You can't afford 15 minutes. Really? 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. Are you kidding me? Um, so you get into that. So I think that's one big reason. Uh, mm-hmm. I think another one is fear of change. Mm-hmm. We are creatures of habit. Uh, and we have gotten very comfortable with what we do, how we do it. I hear a lot of that. Well, we've always done it that way. I hate that right. statement. There's a lot of <laughs> cartoons about that and, and so right. forth and, and, and so forth. Uh, so even though we know that we need to make a change and that a change is necessary, it's d- dancing with the devil you don't know versus the devil you do. Uh, so people are afraid to make the change so they don't take that step. In Steve's right. case, he took the step. He said, I'm going to do it. I am committed to it. Other And heck, to, to do continuous improvement is not as big a uh, commitment as building a, a, an entire new facility and spending millions of dollars and right. putting your, your financial well-being on the line and so forth. Uh, but yet they don't. Uh, Mm -hmm. for whatever reason. Uh, Others think they know everything. And they bring somebody like myself in to prove to themselves that they're really as smart, if not smarter than the consultant they brought in. And I've run into a couple of people like that too. Mm. Uh, And why they want to do that, I don't know. Because my feeling is if you're really smart, it shows because you do <laughs> smart things and you get good results. When you got to tell everybody or prove to them how smart you are, you probably aren't as smart as you think you are. Mm-hmm. Uh, but unfortunately, there are people like that in this world. Uh, they also are probably the originators of the company. Uh, they founded it. Uh, they put things in place. They don't want to see those things change because they think they're right. wonderful because it was their idea. Uh, so they, they hold on to it. I, I watch all right. these shows on TV. I don't know if you watch any of them, Gordon Ramsay, Robert Irvine, mm-hmm. John Taffer, they go in to fix businesses up and people are telling them all the wonderful things they're doing. And they look at them and they go, well, thing is, they're so great. Why am I here? Mm-hmm. Just keep doing what you're doing. Well, we're not, we're losing $10,000 a month. Well, then things can't be all that great, you know? Right. Uh, they do, they, they say it a lot more direct than I do. Maybe it's because they can get away with it being on TV. Uh, uh, I probably would get thrown out the door if I said some of the things that they said, especially all the F-bombs that Gordon Mm -hmm. Ramsay throws. Mm -hmm. Uh, but you think it like, well, why am I here then? If things are so great, just keep doing what you're doing, you know, and Godspeed. Don't spend the time and the money. 
you know, mm-hmm. save yourself a lot of effort and, and uh, agina and whatever else you're going to go through and, and just keep doing what you're doing. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So if somebody realizes like, yes, I want to implement this, like, is there a right or wrong way to get started? The wrong way is, first of all, continuous improvement, as I mentioned, is not big things. Uh, and the Japanese it is really kind of a spinoff of the Japanese with Kaizen. And Kaizen is making ongoing daily small improvements. Again, things that the worker can control and, and manage and do on his or her own. When you get into bigger stuff, that's known as innovation. And that's mm-hmm. where you have engineers, hired skilled professionals and so forth, looking at new systems and new equipment and things like that. And that's completely different. Where continuous improvement kicks in is once that new stuff is brought in, again, it's a change and everything isn't perfect. So the Kaizen kicks in because problems will crop up with it or whatever it is you're doing. And the workers then take that over and make those small improvements to get it to function the way uh, you hoped it would and the way it's expected to. So you don't want to do big things. You don't want to do big things to start with. Mm-hmm. You want to do small things. You want to get used to it because, again, it, it's a new process for the people and, and for the company. So you want to get your feet wet. You don't want to start drowning. You know, it's not get thrown in the pool and, and learn how to swim type of thing. It's right. dip your toes in the water. Okay. Go up to your knees, go up to your waist. All right. Uh, maybe put flotation devices on, but you want small victories. You want to get comfortable with it. You want to see that it's working well and that you can do it. Get comfortable with it. But the ones mm-hmm. who charge in and they're going to change everything in the world and that failure, you don't want to mm-hmm. do that. Uh, The -hmm. other thing is, again, if you can have somebody who's done this already, who can guide you and listen to them, that's the right thing to do. If you just plunge headlong into it uh, and then at the first sign of trouble, and there probably will be, as with all new implementations, you Mm -hmm. bail on it, not a good thing to do. So you start slow, you work your way up. Uh, bring in somebody who can help you, who's done it before, uh, and who you trust and, and will rely on. Don't try to change the world in a day. And there is no such thing, in spite of Harry Potter and everything else, there are magic wands that you can just go, to <laughs> uh, <laughs> and everything will be wonderful. I, I think the last thing is own it. You've got to mm-hmm. own it. Nobody is going to make you successful. You are going to make you successful. There are people that will help you and can provide guidance and assistance and recommendations and and maybe do some some work here or there. But at the end of the day, they're hired help and they will go away. And you better have bought into it. You better have ownership of it. You better continue to do it when those people leave or it's going to all fall apart. Because mm-hmm. you relied on them and nobody should be relying on outside people. You should rely on yourselves. One of the best companies I had, they brought myself and my company in for the one, what they called the one offers. It was projects that were outside of their normal scope, mm-hmm. uh, wasn't on the day-to-day basis. Maybe it was a one-time thing or it was going to become 
part of their daily routine, but they weren't familiar with it. So they brought us in. They would assign people to work with us who then would take charge of the program once we had gotten to a certain point, and then it became part of their daily routine. And they Mm -hmm. were extremely successful and continued to grow. And I would say virtually every project we did with them was a success because they took a different approach to it. Mm -hmm. They took ownership of it. They wanted to understand it. They wanted to be part of it. They wanted to do it. Big success over what are you going to do to help me and and how can you turn my business around? I can't, Mm -hmm. you need to turn your business around. I can help you to do that, but I can't do it by myself. And and I can't do it over the long term either. Unless mm-hmm. you make me part of the company, in which case then I'm not a consultant <laughs> anymore. Now I'm part of the company. So right, exactly. Yeah. Well, this has been uh, interesting. I know we're running short on time, so I would love to ask if you have an offer that you would like to share with the listeners. Uh, well, as you mentioned, I'm the author of two books. Uh, what about the vermin problem? And in there, I talk about different stories uh, in regards to some of the stuff we talked about of company failures and successes that I think is a good learning experience for people. I followed that up with a second book, Influences and Influencers, to talk about not so much consultants, but people in our lives who have an, and in our business careers who have an impact on us mm-hmm. and how we think and how we operate. Uh, they're both on Amazon. Uh, I think they're great reads, so as do a lot of the people who have bought them and gotten back to me and done reviews and talked to me about it. So certainly look those up. I think they would be of big help to you. Uh, If you have uh, further things that you would like to know about in regards to continuous improvement programs that you're trying to do or or are doing and and maybe not, it's not going as well as you expected it to and would like some words of advice. Mm -hmm. uh, And I will do that on a for free basis as long as it doesn't become too time consuming. Uh, if it does, then we can talk about a, a different arrangement. You can get in touch with me, uh, and that's three ways. You can do it through my website, which is Pete, P-E-T-E, Christian, C-H-R-I-S-T-I-A-N, books.com. So it's all one word, PeteChristianBooks.com, and you can leave me a message there, and we can then follow up. Uh, you can find me on LinkedIn. Uh, Peter Christian, and I'm listed under author and adjunct professor and, uh, and <laughs> speaker and consultant, because uh, there are quite a few Pete Christians in this world. So but okay. you'll find me uh, or you can email me at my letters, P.H. Christian, and then the number 53 at gmail.com. Any one of those three ways, get in touch with me, say, I heard the podcast. I really enjoyed it. I have some questions. I would like to start a program or I've started a program. And again, it's not functioning as well as I would like it to, or I think it could be better or whatever the case may be. Or I'd just like to bounce some things off you and and see what you think. Any one of those three ways, get in touch with me. and I will be happy to have a conversation with you and see uh, what words of wisdom I can provide that'll help you in your situation. 
Perfect. How that well, turn off? <laughs> I appreciate that. Thank you so much, Peter, for being a guest on the show and sharing on this topic. I found it very interesting. It was something I didn't know as much about. I mean, you know the topic, like improving things, but just the topic of continuous improvement, I, I found it very interesting. Well, uh, so thank you. Thank you again for having me. And I hope your listeners get a lot of value out of this. Thank you. Yes. And I do want to thank the listeners too, for tuning in. I hope you found this topic interesting and that it helped answer some questions on why continuous improvement programs fail when they do not have to. And if you have any additional questions or comments, be sure to reach out to Peter at the links he shared, or you can send us a message at media at abandp.com. And would you please share our show information with those you know? I'd greatly appreciate your support. I hope you can join us for next week's topic, Moms in Business. And please remember you can connect with us on Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn. And my website is abandp.com. And of course, you can find the podcast posted on multiple favorite podcast platforms, including Google, TuneIn, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. Until next time, have a great week. Thank you for listening to Biz Help For You. Please join your host, Candy Messer, again next Tuesday. Have a terrific week.